Hello and welcome. We are your Sweet Valley Highnesses, Vanessa and Jasmine. Today we will be discussing book number 24, Memories, originally published October 1st, 1985. Okay, so we are here in LA and recording together because Jasmine is on her road trip across the country on her way to move back to Hawaii. Yes. Um, the cats have not been enjoying the road trip very much. They hate their backpacks. Mm. Um, okay. But We're carrying them in backpacks. <laughs> yesterday, we did um, stop in Vegas for lunch, and I won $180 on roulette with two cats strapped to my body. And right. well, I was not the weirdest person at the roulette table. I'm sure that you weren't. I'm sure you were like the 10th weirdest person at the roulette table. <laughs> you know, speaking of weird people, I have been fascinated by this news story lately of Tiger Woods' ex-wife, Ellen Nordegren. Mm-hmm. She is mostly remembered for being his ex-wife and also for being the person who smashed in the windows of his Escalade with a golf club when she found out about his cheating on her. With, like, 75 women. With, like, 75 women. Oh. She... (laughs) It was a legit move. It was a legit move, and it was, like, a move that I thought was even-tempered for what she had just discovered. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She is 39, and the news just came out, I think on Friday, that she is pregnant Mm -hmm. with her third child, with her new boo. Um, Well, it's her first child with her new boo, but her third child total. And her new boo is 30, and Mm -hmm. he is a former NFL player. He's a super cutie. His name is Jordan Cameron. And I just think this is awesome. Like... In terms of this divorce, it seems like she's the one who's coming out on top. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I know golfers, probably no one who listens to this is a golfer, but I at least know that Tiger Woods is sort of on a comeback right now. Like, I know that he just won a championship or whatever, but... It, it doesn't matter. He's friends with Donald Trump. He is not winning. Exactly. He, he lost He's not winning. Breakup. And also, I'm talking in terms of romance. Tiger can't keep a partner, and she's got a cute younger BF who put a baby in her. I mean, she's a great example of someone getting over their last relationship and thriving. Wouldn't you say? Yes, absolutely. And on that note, Vanessa, do you know what time it is? I think it's time to passive aggressively continue to set up your grieving brother with your best friend, despite the fact that he keeps alternately begging you not to and ditching her to hang out with his dead girlfriend's weird sister who won't stop giving him handmade portraits of said dead girlfriend while your other sister <laughs> suffers from a terrible case of Bader-Meinhof syndrome because this episode begins right now! Right now! The A-plot for Memories is Stephen not being able to get over the death of his girlfriend, Trisha Martin, and using her sister, known loose cannon of Sweet Valley, Betsy Martin, to unhealthily bond with her over Trisha's memory. The B-plot of this book is Liz doing some light stalking of a new young man named Michael (laughs) Sellers because he looks like Todd, and she's still super not over him having moved to Vermont in book 23. And let's not forget that there is a tiny little dingle of a C-plot 
of Jess using Beta Cuck Winston Egbert because she thinks it will help her become an Academy Award winning movie star. And this plan Mm -hmm. is based on a single sentence she overhears while eavesdropping on her mother's phone call. Right. Well, memories begin shortly after the end of book 23. Mm-hmm. Stephen come back, comes back to the Wakefield house and ignores his parents asking him what's wrong and stares at his bedroom ceiling while making a silent <laughs> vow to never even think about another woman again. Uh-huh. If you remember, old flat-faced Lila Fowler was having a house party and Betsy Martin, sister of now-deceased Trisha Martin, mm-hmm. totally lost her shit on Stephen in front of everyone after she saw him dancing with Kara Walker. How could we forget? And this is intercut with the reader being reminded of Elizabeth's story in the last book as well. Her longtime boyfriend, Mm -hmm. Todd Wilkins, moved to Vermont. and Rejoice! Yes. And they decided that at the end of that book that they love each other and will keep in touch, but basically that they can do whatever they want. It's an open relationship. Yeah, it's like a non-military don't ask, don't tell for 1985 teens. So exactly. So now it's the next day at breakfast, and Stephen comes down looking super haggard, and mm-hmm. Alice is trying to push these scrambled eggs that nobody wants to eat on him. The funniest part about this scene is the explanation of Sweet Valley having a bad part of town, despite being really nice. Yeah, and it's a funny setup for Betsy Martin to just pop on by first thing in the morning after just having fully flipped out on Stephen in public about um, 14 hours ago. And Mm -hmm. no one in the Wakefield family is happy to see her except, of course, Stephen. The two of them quickly leave together and just blames Betsy Martin for her eggs being cold now. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Betsy Martin is totally Jess's bitch-eating crackers, don't you think? What? What is that? Okay. Bitch eating crackers, or Beck, is this thing that people on Reddit invented. And it's basically where you hate someone so much that even the way they, like, sit across the room from you and innocently eat crackers drives you so insane that you say stuff like, look at that bitch eating crackers. Oh, I definitely know a few people like that. Do you have uh, real-life bitch-eating crackers? Um, I think my real-life bitch-eating crackers is not from my real life, but (laughs) she, it's probably, like, Teddy from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Mm. I mean, like, okay, this is why she is, because in the last episode, I was like, oh, Teddy has a Gucci fanny pack? Really? Except that makes no sense that I thought that because I love fanny packs of all types and all brands. I think they're super cute and I think they look super cute on everyone. So it makes no sense that I found it annoying that she had one. You know, that's a bitch eating crackers. She's too boring for me to even find annoying. That's fair. Well, I know now you guys must be thinking the obvious. Do Stephen and Betsy Martin fall in love in this book? I 1000% thought that this was about to be like a Hunter Biden situation. Yes. Which for those Explain of you who are aware. Yeah. Yes. Hunter Biden started grossly dating his dead brother's widow, like right after his brother Bo died. Mm-hmm. Um, Is this and it, it's Joe a Biden's, gross weird situation. Joe, Joe Biden's son. Joe Biden's yeah. son Hunter started is the dating messy his one. brother's widow after his brother died. 
so weird. So I thought it was going to be a Hunter Biden situation with Stephen and Betsy. Yeah, it seems like that's what they're setting up in the beginning. But I assure you, they do not fall in love. But please keep listening to the rest of this episode because what they do do is even weirder. But before that happens, Jess's uh, boring little C-plot needs to get set up. Mm-hmm. Pretty much out of nowhere at breakfast, she announces that she'd be a great film star. Right. After all, it's more money and fame than stage acting. And you know what else is being set up here? The use of a lot of adjectives in front of words that don't usually have adjectives in front of them. For example, a flourishing law practice. Yeah. There, I mean, there are like a bunch of them, and I'll point them out as they pop up if I remember, because they literally made me laugh out loud every time I read one of them. It was really, it was like in high school when you're trying to hit your word count, so you just keep like dropping in descriptors that don't need to be there. Yeah, it was exactly Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Well, you know, the ghostwriters was trying to hit their word count early on. 100%. (laughs) So then we get um, the information that the twins are both going to be participating in a charity volleyball match against Big Mesa High School and that, of course, there's going to be a dance after it. I wish our high school would have had dances after literally every event. I know. The school sanctions event at events at Sweet Valley High are actually endless. Yes. So Liz is worried about the dance after the charity basketball game because she's still missing Todd, yet doesn't want to go to the dance alone. Right. But back in the Steven story, he and Betsy literally kick rocks down a road and talk about Trisha. She sort of starts to apologize for losing it the night before, and Stephen interrupts her and performs a self-flagellating monologue, blaming himself for hanging out with Kara, and yeah, and for getting Trisha's memory for 0.02 seconds. Yeah, they decide that since they're the only ones who really knew Trisha, they have to keep her memory alive by constantly sharing their memories of Mm -hmm. her. And Betsy gets started with what sounds like an insanely sad story about how Trisha was an adorable tiny Robin in the third grade play. Yeah, it's starting to take a slow roll into creepy town. But before we have time to really sink our teeth into that, we're back with Jessica. She's now pilfering Liz's room for a bathing suit and a, by a huge coincidence that totally lines up with her plans she made at breakfast to become a movie star, Mm-hmm. Overhears her mom on the phone talking to someone named Sharon about a movie director that they're related to. Naturally, Jessica takes this to be the only Sharon to exist in Sweet Valley, Beta Cuck, Winston Egbert's mom. Also, Jess immediately decides to cut old flat face Lila Fowler and Kara Walker out of her plans to get famous because she thinks they'll try to steal the spotlight from her. Yeah, I mean, she's not wrong to do that. But while she's planning that, she's also rubbing herself diabolically with tanning lotion (laughs) and baking in the sun. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, tanning lotion? Like, the last time I saw tanning lotion, it was on the bottom shelf at the drugstore. Like, (laughs) it it was in the sunscreen section, but it was, like, on the bottom shelf. Like, even... Even the people at the drugstore were like, hey, sorry, here it is, but tanning's pretty bad for you. And did you also see that we have SPF 3000 up there on the top shelf? 
Like, mm-hmm. they even they were embarrassed that they're carrying tanning lotion because it's so they bad for you. They should be embarrassed to sell it. Yes. Tanning lotion is crazy dangerous. <laughs> the 80s were truly a simpler time. Yeah. No one knew how bad those holes in the ozone were going to be. Least of all, the simple residents of Sweet Valley. Yeah, so now we're with Liz and Ian the Drip while they pick out dresses for um, the dance at a store in the mall. Um, A store named The Designer Shop. Like, can we get a little more effort, please? I mean, what about what's wrong with Foxy Mama? Why couldn't they be shopping there? Far too sexual for Liz. Well, that's true. So Liz admits she's not over Todd and nearly immediately after goes into full psycho mode. Yes. She thinks she sees Todd uh, at the mall and makes Enid help her like chase this mystery dude all over the mall. So weird. And they don't find him. Yeah, and Enid is like, um, are you gonna admit that you didn't see him? And Liz is like, yeah, I mean, I guess Todd is in Vermont now, and so this makes no sense. Now, mm-hmm. Jasmine, I don't know about you, but I did not remember this plot from reading it as kids. No, not at all. So I was really hoping that this plot in particular would turn into that episode of 30 Rock where that guy Liz Lemon is dating tells her he got transferred to Ohio and then she sees him walking around the city later. <laughs> oh, yeah. So funny. I love that episode. Yeah, me too. I I definitely thought Todd was back in town for another, like, secret visit or something weird. Yeah, it, it was, was hoping for some sort of funny twist, but... Reader beware, this plot at no point turns into a 30 Rock episode, unfortunately. Very unfortunately. (laughs) So then we're with Stephen and Betsy Martin again as they hang out and discuss more memories of Trisha. Mm -hmm. And she gives him a creeptastic gift of a homemade portrait of Trisha. Like, girl, I do not care how good of an artist you are. You already gave him one of these before. Like, is his dorm room just straight up wallpapered with portraits and photos of his dead girlfriend it's alarming it is it's alarming alarming. yes yes um and then betsy basically emotionally manipulates him into agreeing to hang out with her and check in with her every day and pretty much just spend all of her time or all of his time with her and steven's all about it yeah which is weird because he always seems smarter than this but suddenly he's just down to be emotionally manipulated by betsy and talk about trisha 24 7 yeah like where is her boyfriend jason the art teacher oh poor jason the art teacher yeah but he was there at the party at Lila's party and then he's just nowhere to be found at all and he's also just down with his girlfriend spending all of her time with Steven it's weird it's weird and this chapter concludes with Jess scheming to get Winston to be her partner on an English project so she can get closer to his uncle the movie director who she thinks is coming to stay with him and the whole time this plot is happening I'm like there's got to be another Sharon in town that Alice is friends with, right? Were you thinking I that knew, too? I knew, I knew Jess was never going to meet the director. I, I There was going to be some case of like mistaken identity for sure. Yeah. Also, I thought it was very strange that Mr. Collins, I think this is just like a paper that they're writing and they're like, and if anybody wants to do the same author, you can just be partners. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's how it was super easy for Jess to... to scheme to spend time with Winston. I thought it was very funny. Yeah, it was. 
Well, now we're on to chapter four, and I'd just like to point out that there is a brown princess phone mentioned. Um, you guys might not yeah. know this about me and Jasmine, but when we were growing up, we had a princess phone in our room. We were obsessed with it. We thought that we were so fancy every time we used it. It was a rotary dial phone. It was white and gold. I don't know where we got the idea that princesses were using phones like this, but we were obsessed with it. So I would consider us like princess phone experts. Yeah. And I've never heard of a brown princess phone. Have you? No, I've never seen one. I don't know why you would make a princess phone and then make it brown. Like, what was the point there? I have no idea. It's very anyway, bizarre. let's keep this moving. Yeah. Uh, Jess goes over to Winston's house a few times to, quote, work on their project, but yeah. keeps blowing him off in very hilarious and abrupt ways when his movie director uncle isn't there. Yes. She just, like, will, will be like, oh, is there Uncle Marty here? When he's like, no, she'll just be like, I forgot. I told my mom I'm coming home. <laughs> yeah. Leave the house. Like, never works on the project. Yeah, it's kind of um, hilarious. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and spoiler alert the ending of this subplot right now because, like, we're all seeing it coming. Yeah. Beta Cuck. Winston Egbert's uncle is not a famous director. Shocking. He's a civil engineer with a focus on waste management. Yeah, Beta Cuck Winston Egbert does have a director uncle, but he couldn't come to town at last minute, so Jess spends, like, a whole entire afternoon learning about urban garbage removal from a giant binder that she at first thinks is a script. It's it's hilarious. That's the funniest part. (laughs) It is the funniest part. She, like starts reading the report thinking maybe it's just a script she doesn't understand yeah and um side note to these shady ghostwriters who i love when they do stuff like this they are always involving jessica with trash yes she's wearing it she's finding something in it she's learning about it disappointed because it's not a movie it's trash (laughs) yeah it's kind of Um, it's really great Steven continues to spiral. He legit ditches Kara at the restaurant after he asks her out on uh, her birthday. It's crazy. Like, like straight up runs the F out of the door, like throws money down on the table on his yeah. way out. And she has to take a cab home. Well, and don't forget that Steven is triggered by an old timey old man band who start playing yeah. Trisha's favorite song completely unprompted. which right, causes out of the blue. Him, out of the blue, which causes him to literally run away from her, like you just said, and he totally leaves the restaurant premises. Like, he doesn't just go to the bathroom. <laughs> He's gone. Off the yeah. property. Um, he does not and, just leave the dance floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to be clear, it's not just the dance floor. And... This is now the second time in less than two weeks that Stephen has ditched Kara on a dance floor publicly. Yeah. Stephen keeps fucking up with Kara while continuing to spend depressing afternoons looking at baby pictures of his dead girlfriend. It's really weird. But Kara finally has enough of his shit. Well, keep in mind, mm -hmm. she's the only broad in Sweet Valley who has received her anti-digmatization vaccine. Oh, yeah. that, That fact is important. And she tells him he's clearly not over Trisha and to hit her up when he is. 
back with Liz. She sees her sees her Tad lookalike at the charity volleyball game. Mm-hmm. He's like the big Mesa captain. Yes. And she just can't play volleyball because she's so shook. Everyone is like, what the fuck, Liz? Because <laughs> she keeps messing up and it's pretty funny. <laughs> So Jess swoops in and explains a very insane sounding, quote, volleyball trick that her and Liz have done in the past. Which I think fully depends on them being hot twins and just distracting everyone. Because, yeah, yeah, the specifics of this magical twin volley move are very vague. (laughs) But anyway, um, Liz saves the game, of course, and Mm -hmm. Sweet Valley wins the game. Of course. Yeah, of course. So Liz goes out with a Todd lookalike, and it turns out he's a weird jerk. Yes. Um, his name is Michael Sellers, and all he does is talk about himself the whole time at the dance. When Liz blows him off, he tries to pick up Jess, which is hilarious. And mm-hmm. it's also hilarious that both twins ditch him for Beta Cuck Winston Egbert. So, B-plot wrapped up and ended. Yes. Liz learns that just because somebody weirdly looks like Todd, it doesn't mean that they're soulmates. Guess that means her new BF will have to be blonde. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So, Jess calls Steven out for being such a dick to Kara, Mm -hmm. and finally someone has the sense to straight up tell him that sitting around all day with Betsy, mourning like an old-timey Italian widow, isn't (laughs) going to make him feel any better. Yeah. He responds by running out of the room. Which is his signature move lately. I think we all know. (laughs) And then very oddly making a fire and staring into it all night. Yeah. I mean, now we're officially in Creep Town. We're like deep into Creep Town at this point. Downtown Creep Town. Yeah. And now that Liz's boring and inconsequential subplot has wrapped up, Captain Savaho has time to strap on her trusty cape. She hatches an insane plan to make Betsy see that she needs to let Steven move on and get Kara and Steve back together. And wouldn't you know, her plan, of course, somehow involves Teddy Collins, Mr. Collins' six-year-old son, who often plays a pivotal role in many of Liz's early schemes. So weird. So, phase one of Liz's scheme is literally just her going to talk to Betsy. And she has to drive to the bad part of Sweet Valley to do this. And the descriptions of this part of town are hilarious. There's Mm -hmm. trash littering the sidewalk, a broken swing dangling, like, in front of an abandoned house. Like, so weird and creepy. Pretty depressing. Pretty depressing, yeah. (laughs) So, basically, Liz breaks it down to Betsy that she's ruining Stephen's life by holding him in the past. Mm -hmm. And... That it's not fair to expect him to not move on and date. Right. Sensibly. Um, It should come as no surprise that, of course, once Liz explains the situation, Betsy totally understands and agrees Mm -hmm. to help Liz get Kara and Steven back together. Their plan is to trick the two of them into meeting at the clock tower at 7 by roping both of their mothers into leaving notes telling them to do so. Sure. Okay, yeah, sure. As they try to figure out who set them up, Teddy Collins rides up on a tricycle that, as I was reading this, I just imagined it being squeaky and (laughs) uh, just a really creepy scene. Like, my notes in this section were just like, why do I feel like I'm reading it right now? (laughs) Yeah. 
It seemed like something it bad was going to happen. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Teddy hands each of them a package and like squeaks away. Like, <laughs> so sure. disturbing. They open up the packages and inside are Betsy Martin's signature pencil, pencil sketches of each other. Sure. Yikes. I mean, at least now she's moved on from drawing pictures of her dead sister. And now that his dead girlfriend's sister has bizarrely given her blessing, Kara mm-hmm. and Steven can be together at last. The end. Well, not before we get a hint at the next book in the very last chapter. Mm-hmm. Emily Meyer, member of the only band in Sweet Valley, the Droids, alludes to some problems at home with her stepmother. The end. <laughs> Wonder what's going to happen in the next book. Gee, who could say? <laughs> well, now that that's all settled, let's rate this book. Yeah. Um, I give this book a five. Okay. The whole Michael Sellers plot was boring and went nowhere. Mm-hmm. Overall, the book could have used more just scheming, maybe with yeah. like higher stakes. Yeah. And honestly, I just felt like there are way too many subplots that got convoluted and then never really paid off. Yes, agree. I did enjoy the elitist trash descriptions about the, quote, bad part of town and <laughs> also Stephen's untreated trauma. Yeah. I As you were talking, well, my original rating for this book was a six. And then as you're talking, I was going to change it. But I'm going to keep it at six. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, as far as these books go, it was well structured in terms of, like, there's a problem introduced at the beginning for the A-plot, there's conflict in the middle, and then at the end it is resolved. It's not, like, loose-ended, there's not, like, a lot of running in place in the middle. Um, so, yeah, as far as these books go, it was pretty well-structured, despite the other plots that don't pay off. Um, and there were some funny moments, truly funny moments, like, everything with Betsy being Jess's forever bitch-eating crackers, and there mm-hmm. were a couple hilarious burns Liz says to Jess, like, hardcore not allowing her to borrow her new dress for the dance because Liz wants to get it in with Michael Sellers, but then Liz mm-hmm. tells Jess that it's because she won't let her borrow it because Jess doesn't have a date. It's so funny. She just, like, <laughs> burns her for no reason. <laughs> Um, but nothing insanely salacious, which is my favorite part of these books, and points off for the one woman in Sweet Valley who seems like she has self-respect, taking back the doofus who dished her like 15 times at this point. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Now it's time for a round of Fuck, Mary Kill. Yes. And listeners, please play along with us on Twitter at Podcasts and let us know your choices, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your choices are Michael Sellers, uh-huh. Uncle Marty, okay. and volleyball from the cherry volleyball charity volleyball game. Okay, three. I would not great choices. Um, let's see. <clears throat> well, I guess. Well, my first instinct um, was to kill Michael Sellers, but then I'd have to funk fuck Uncle Marty or a volleyball. So, yeah. um, it's going to be fuck Michael Sellers because he's attractive. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't have to speak to him ever again. So, because he lives Correct. in Big Mesa, yes. obviously. Uh, Uncle Marty, I'm sorry you didn't do anything wrong. You don't deserve this, but it's the nature of the game. You're going to get killed. <laughs> it's sure. not your fault. 
but Uncle Marty killed, and then marry the volleyball from the charity volleyball tournament. That Those are exactly my answers as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> so, and for the same reasons as well. Okay, perfect. <laughs> okay. So be sure to come back and listen next month. Uh, we'll be discussing book number 25, Nowhere to Run, mm-hmm. where it seems like tangential side character Emily Meyer will definitely be attending boarding school, despite super not wanting to. Yeah, Sweet Valley Highnesses, including our theme song, is produced by producer Candace Silva. You can follow us and listen on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Just search us by name, Sweet Valley Highnesses. If you like what you heard in this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcasts on both to stay updated on all things Wakefield. There are links to all of those things on our website, SweetValleyPodcast.com. If you have questions, comments, or want to let us know how you crafted a Scarlett O'Hara-style morning dress out of black construction paper, you can email SVHighPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye! Bye! Bye.